Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, it's getting about that time. The 2022 season is on the horizon, and we continue to believe here that Georgia, in terms of what its actual chances are of repeating as national champions, is probably better than the current conversation would suggest. Like, when you see a lot of the analytic stuff or when you see the official polls when they come out, you're pretty much going to see a certain consistent line of thought as it relates to George. George is going to be very commonly mentioned as, like, say, the number three team in the country. They may actually be number three in both these, both the AP and the coaches poll when they come out behind Alabama, behind Ohio State. And that's pretty much where a lot of, like, the – the analytics power ratings have sort of shown and some of the sort of unofficial preseason stuff in some cases way too early top 25s that have been out that that Georgia is very commonly slotted behind you know an Ohio State and an Alabama and pretty much ahead of everybody else and who knows that may be exactly where Georgia finishes for this upcoming season they may be hey still a kind of a playoff team but slightly behind Alabama slightly behind Ohio State which may you know be the overwhelming best team in the Big Ten, that Georgia may just be kind of slotted right there behind that. But we believe there's actually a pretty good chance that does not take place, that that Georgia, you know, even though people see, well, oh my gosh, look at all that Georgia lost off last year's team, 15 draft picks, five first-rounders off the defense alone, that even with the attrition that Georgia's had year over year from the program, that Georgia, based on a number of factors, actually set up pretty well for the upcoming season. So, I was thinking about this a little bit last night, this morning, getting ready for today's show. Let's say that turns out to be true. I think there are a couple of names that could go a long way towards ensuring that as a real possibility. Now, don't misunderstand me here. The two names I'm about to give you, I'm not saying they have to have a great year for Georgia to have a championship type season. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if these two guys do have a great season then all of a sudden the not the notion that Georgia is still very much in the thick of things, very much likely to repeat as national champion, possible to repeat as national champions, these two guys could turn out to be really big swing players in terms of getting that done. And it just so happens the reason why these two players are on my mind is because the outlet known as Pro Football Focus, some of you know what that is, some of you like it, some of you don't. Kirby Smart's kind of taken uh, PFF to task in the past. But Pro Football Focus recently put out a list of 30 guys for the upcoming season that it thinks can be breakout players for the upcoming year. And look, the two names that get mentioned by George, I'm going to give them to you both now. We're going to talk more about them individually. Arian Smith at wide receiver and Jamon Dumas Johnson at linebacker. Now, if I were projecting my own breakout players for Georgia, I have to admit, I don't know that Smith nor JDJ, or as they call him, Pop, I don't know that either of these two guys would kind of necessarily be my most obvious, most likely breakout players. Uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson might come some come somewhat close to being that on defense. On offense, a guy like Arian Smith, for a number of reasons, even though I think that Smith has huge high upside and, and, and tremendous potential, 
I'd probably lean more in the direction of an Eric Gilbert. I would, I'd probably look more at the idea of, of wide receivers who I think right now are probably standing to be on the field a little bit more. You know, guys like Adonai Mitchell and, and Lam McConkie who established themselves last year. Guys like Dominic Blaylock and Kyrus Jackson who are seemingly more fully recovered from injuries that kind of kept them out of the wide receiver rotation a good bit last season. That's not a knock on Arian Smith. But if I'm thinking about Smith as a breakout player, I think about huge potential there I think about you know certainly one of the more fun guys to watch that if he could have the big moment it kind of changes everything for UGA but in terms of how I define breakout potential I don't necessarily know that Arian Smith would be my top guy there on that and that's not like I said it's not like a knock because he's been injured or anything else it's just because you're talking about kind of a crowded wide receiver situation for UGA and it seems like right now there are some who are probably slotted ahead of Arian Smith in that pecking order for themselves to hopefully be the breakout guy but nonetheless you know let me give you what pro football focus says their reasoning for putting Smith as a part of this discussion I'll show you the quote here on the screen I'll read a little bit of that to you so this is Anthony Treesh writing for Pro Football Focus. Arian Smith is a legitimate track star. In addition to his football duties, he's also a member of the Bulldogs track and field squad who earned first-team All-American honors in the 4x100-meter relay and clocked a wind-aided 10.10-second 100-meter uh, dash last year. That speed's made him a big play threat in his short Georgia career. Despite running only 16 routes over the past couple of seasons, the six-foot, 185-pound receivers hauled in four deep receptions for 182 yards and three touchdowns. Injuries have hindered, hindered his development, but he can become one of the most dangerous pass catchers in the country with a clean bill of health. So that's a lot there from Treesh on uh, Arian Smith, maybe most prominently the notion that it's that clean bill of health that he needs. One of the things that slowed, slowed Arian Smith down, and it's not easy to slow him down because of how fast he is, but one of the things that has slowed down Arian Smith's college career is he has spent a good bit of that time uh, being injured. That's just a fact. Anthony Treesh uh, wrote about that there. But the other thing the PFF guy correctly notes is when he has been on the field, when he has been on the field, one of the things that Smith has proven to be is the kind of home run hitter that makes him incredibly dangerous. And I told you last year, I thought late in the season, this is prior to Smith you know, dealing with another injury that kind of took him out of the story for the dogs the rest of the year. I had this sort of like fans intuition that that maybe Smith was going to step up and make one of the big plays for Georgia down the stretch last year because of the home run threat that he had, the home run threat that he has. Turns out the injury situation just kind of prevented that from uh, being the case. But we've all seen this with our own eyes that in short bursts and these sort of rare moments that when he swings for the fences, you have a chance to see a good bit of fireworks from a guy like Arian Smith. So it kind of brings me back to the point I was making a moment ago that if you truly ask me to identify a breakout player for Georgia offensively, I'd probably mention a few names before I got to Arian Smith. That's not disrespect to Smith. It's really more out of respect I have for other Georgia players who I think could be ready to take the next step for their career. But if you told me Let's say you had a chance to visit the future and you saw the 2022 season. You came back to relay to me what you saw. If you told me that we'd see more longer stretches, full seasons worth of what we have seen from Marion Smith in a short burst, I would tell you, my gosh, that might be one of the things that gives a springboard of the Georgia offense that makes it even better than we kind of think it can be. And we think it can be pretty good. 
that if you gave me kind of a magic wand and I could give a breakout season, any Georgia player, just given his overall profile as a player because of the spring, the, the speed that he brings to the table, if that be the case, I might select Arian Smith to be that dude. I, I think that pro football focus might be slightly too optimistic here in suggesting that Arian Smith's that guy. But if you told me I could make him that guy, that might be the 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 kind of springboard player that would propel Georgia to even more success than we think is kind of on the table. Now, it's interesting. If you want to go back to spring practice here for a moment, uh, you know, Smith talked about some of this kind of stuff he met with reporters and he you know kind of ran the gamut of everything that trees just wrote about you know his time running track his injury situation trying to come back from that taking it a little bit slow this spring and in, in doing so and the notion that eventually he wants to be the kind of player that an outlet like pro football focus or a show like this suggests that he could be this is not a real long clip necessarily but in this uh relatively short clip arian smith acknowledges that at some point in time it's kind of time for him to go out there and put all this together on the field and actually live into the potential that we would all say that he has this was arian smith back during spring practice i feel like i'm that guy but you can say what you can say but it's really i just want to show Actions speak louder than words, he says. We're hearing all these words around him from Pro Football Focus. We've mentioned him certainly plenty of times here on this show. And, and now he says, it's time for me to go out there and show what I'm all about there in this regard. And you know one of the reasons why so many fans, like I said before, would be rooting for him to do that, would maybe be wishing that sort of, sort of breakout level season for him is because he does bring you know a lot of what Georgia hasn't necessarily had enough of and that's that true straight line blazing speed running past defensive backs if you told me you could get a full season's worth of help from him if you told me that he would be one of those guys that takes his game to the next level because of what his game has the potential to be that would be actually really really exciting he's a swing player that could make Georgia even more of a national championship contender now let's talk about another one of those guys on uh, defense here for a moment that's Jamon Dumas Johnson now JDJ because of the position he plays because of what I saw from him a year ago I think it's a little bit easier to kind of label him as a potential breakout guy I would probably still select somebody else on defense before I got to Jamon Dumas Johnson especially if you think about what the definition of breakout is on the Georgia defense like last year Trayvon Walker broke out and became the number one overall pick Devontae Wyatt kind of broke out became a first round pick Lewis seen I don't know that he had a true breakout but he certainly took his game to the next level he himself also became a first round pick like the definition of what breakout is on the Georgia defense is actually pretty robust it's the kind of thing that that results in you being a first round pick now uh Jamon Dumas Johnson not draft eligible after last after this upcoming season but it just gives you an idea of what breakout has kind of meant for the Georgia defense overall but as the guy they call pop you know there is certainly some excitement about what he has a chance to do for Georgia this season I want to get into what the Georgia folks have been saying about uh Dumas Johnson here in a moment but let me give you a pro football focus on this first once again Anthony Treesh on why they think <laughs> I like the headline here our producer Michael Carvel props for pops I like that uh but this is why they think Javon Dumas Johnson can be that breakout guy he says uh, that Georgia had one of the best linebacking core in college football uh, that's, that's seen in 2021, but it saw its top three guys in that position all come off the board within the first 100 picks 
of the 2022 NFL Draft. The good news is that there is still plenty of promise at the position for the dogs, including true sophomore Jamon Dumas Johnson, also known as Pop, there in Athens. Dumas Johnson only played 103 snaps as a freshman in 2021, most of which came in garbage time, but he shined in that small sample, earning an 81 PFF grade with 12 defensive stops and one pick six and one pass breakup. Additionally, uh, Dumas Johnson did this despite not playing football the year before as a high school senior due to the pandemic up there in uh, Maryland. So that's Anthony Treesh laying out what could be in store for Jamon Dumas Johnson here this year. And there are echoes of this kind of praise coming from UGA there as well. In fact, one of the things that Georgia coach Kirby Smart has noticed about Jamon Dumas Johnson is not just the athleticism that allowed him to kind of look good in kind of a sort of a limited role last season, but also thus far this spring with a lot of big names and big voices no longer on that Georgia defense, that a guy like Johnson is actually also emerging as a as a real vocal leader there as well during the spring smart gave him and other players praise for that very thing this is kirby back in the spring there on that yeah i think we got a lot of guys stepping up uh, i think pop's doing a great job stepping up um you know cedric van pran warren erickson are guys that continue to lead up front i think rogers tried to take on a, a little bit greater role kiers continues to do that uh nolan has been tremendous at, uh, at being vocal when things aren't going right. Um, Keithy has done a good job of that. So there's a lot of guys. Um, you can just see them trying to assert themselves and encourage uh, more than um, discourage. So, I mean, that's a long list of pretty distinguished players that Kirby mentioned as vocal leaders for this team. The fact that he mentioned Pop first on that list has to certainly mean something. The fact that he's included in that company, we know that means something. That's pretty good praise there for Jamon Dumas Johnson. Beyond that, I thought Kendall Milton, who's a great running back on this Georgia team and doing battle against these linebackers every day during practice, I also thought he had some pretty interesting praise of Jamon Dumas Johnson going back to the spring there as well, saying that in addition to the leadership stuff that Smart says he's seen, just the sheer athleticism, that, that, that sheer ability to go out there and make plays – Kendall Milton says that's something that he's seen firsthand. So the idea of a breakout, you know, player for Georgia, certainly that's something that Milton would say is a possibility. This is Kendall from Spring. I think Pop is going to be special. I see a lot of uh, resemblances with Quay in his game. You know, when you go out there, run routes against him, uh, we do the drills where we have to kind of juke him out. He's just patient. You know, he just lets everything come to him. He's smart with the game, and, you know, he's a super physical player, and I feel like those are all tools that um, kind of make a good linebacker in the long run, and I feel like Pop, he's going to be another one of those guys that, you know, steps up on the defense and becomes a, a leader on the team. So that's really interesting from Kendall Milton, and certainly uh, it's very articulate praise from Milton about what he thinks that uh, that Pop has a chance to be there for Georgia. But here's where I have to sort of slam the brakes at least a little bit. I'm not trying to be a wet blanket. I'm just trying to be honest here for a moment. Is that if you look at the high-end projection for what uh, JDJ could be, or as they call him, Pop, you're thinking Roquan Smith, you're thinking Nicobe Dean. But here's the thing you got to mention, though, when it comes to Roquan and Dean is that in their second year at Georgia, neither guy was nearly as effective as he would become in his third year. That that Roquan was a good player in 2016, but he became a great player in his third year in 2017. N'Kobe Dean was a pretty good player for Georgia in 2020, and I actually had forgotten he was a semifinalist for the Buckus Award there that year. But you're also talking about a pandemic year and you know kind of a weird situation overall. He became a much better player for Georgia in 2021. His interception numbers go up. His tackle for loss numbers go way up. He was way more of a statistical factor in 2021 than he had been in 2020. So even if you're saying, hey, Jamon Dumas Johnson's the next Roquan Smith, he's the next N'Kobe Dean, even if you're going to give that level 
level of praise to him. You have to acknowledge that he's only going into his second season. So even if he's traveling the same path that Roquan or Nicobe eventually traveled for Georgia, you're talking about a player this year that's you know maybe likely a very solid starter for Georgia, but not necessarily the superstar yet that Nicobe and Roquan became while playing in this Georgia defense. Unless that's not true. And unless he does chart a slightly different path and maybe he plays better as a second year guy than either of those guys did. Once again, that kind of makes him that sort of swing player that could propel Georgia to even greater chances of championship success. So the ultimate bottom line for me is, is that I think that pro football focus is probably being a little um, maybe too aggressive in labeling Arian Smith and Jamon Dumas Johnson as true breakout players, especially in comparison to some of the other names in this list, other programs, guys who I do think probably are really about to break out maybe at the very highest level. But if I end up being wrong on this, if I end up underestimating what I'm expecting from both these guys and they do sort of match the, the label that PFF gives them here, then the rest of the country better buckle up. A Georgia team that already starts the season as a shortlist contender for the national championship could have an even better chance of bringing that trophy back to Athens once again in 2022. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Good morning to you, and thanks for being with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, we start at 945, dognation.com, and the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We do our first and 15. We roll into the regular show after that. We're available on podcast, Apple, Spotify, all kinds of podcast platforms. Posting the show at the worldfamousdognation.com, of course. And we're on the radio at noon every day in Athens on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. So we're just happy to have you checking in with us no matter how you get to us today. And a big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making it all possible. Boy, we've had some big time heavy rain uh last few days a little bit especially you know where i am maybe where you are there too and that heavy rain can be a reminder that uh, our folks at esog can do good work for you if you see that rainwater creeping in where it's not supposed to be wet spots showing up basement garage crawl spaces that sort of sign of water intrusion you know that's the kind of issue that you need to get seen about the same way that many of you see those cracks showing up in the walls there too those cracks send off kind of an alarm inside of you of oh gosh foundation issue maybe and that's the kind of thing you just got to be really careful about and obviously engineered solutions of georgia can help you take care of all of that that's what they do they got an entire team of engineers on their staff nobody else in this industry can say that here in our local area doing that kind of work for you making sure they're taking care of you when it comes to to foundation waterproofing issues really solving that problem for you they are a solutions-based company that's what they are all about they're also proud partners of uga uh been doing that for a long time good friends of ours here at uh, dog nation daily been a solutions oriented company for more than 15 years they just know how to do good work for you so it's fun to support those that support uga we're certainly grateful for your support of those that support us engineered solutions of georgia a great example of that they're also easy to get in touch with so you can simply give them a call dial 678-ESOG now that's right dial 678-ESOG now and that'll get you in touch with engineered solutions of georgia all right before we do around the doghouse and before we bring on connor riley for a Kroger fresh day let me give you a quick update on dognation.com as you hear me say this our season opening kickoff they're at the Home Depot backyard right next to Mercedes-Benz Stadium before Georgia takes on Oregon on September 3rd is probably going to reach a sellout capacity. But here's the thing. 
there is a chance for some waiting list stuff. We may be able to open up a few more spots, what will end up being the final spots for our dognation.com tailgate. But if you want to be able to get those, you got to get on the waiting list now so you can do that. For instance, if you go to dognation.com right now and try to buy a couple of tickets, it's going to probably say we don't have those tickets available. But if you get on the waiting list, especially if you're one of the first names on the waiting list, then that gives you sort of that opportunity to get those remaining tickets when we do make them available. There are a couple of like hoops we have to jump through to sort of clear more stuff because this does involve a lot of different, you know, kind of bells and whistles and things like that. So get on that waiting list so you can get those final tickets when they do become available. Because when it opens up, it's just going to be like our our folks sort of in-house here. We're just going to go right down the list one after the other after the other. So in in the order you get signed up, that is your chance to get your final opportunity at dognation.com tailgate tickets before they're all gone. So same thing as always, go to dognation.com, get there on that waiting list, and you'll have a, I would say, still a pretty good chance of being a part of what's going to happen there that day. And you've heard me talk about this before. I got a really cool t-shirt we're going to be giving to all our folks there, your food, your beverage tickets, all of that, a big part of this. Uh, Just such a fun experience right there in downtown Atlanta uh, uh, at Home Depot Backyard next to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I want to give a big thanks to the sponsors who make all this possible because we couldn't do all that we do here on this if it wasn't for a great group of folks who help us take care of really big events like that. Kroger, R.S. Andrews, The Finish Long Drink, our friends at 7-6 Apparel, and Meriwether and Tharp, they all help make this possible going to be a great day there that day you can get more information at dognation.com but as you're hearing me say this the time is now get on the wait list so that you can get into uh that final cue for your opportunity to be a part of the dognation.com tailgate i'm really really excited about that it's just going to be a great day in downtown atlanta or right there at the home depot backyard next to mercedes-benz stadium connor riley coming up in a moment before that though let's go around the doghouse here today and let's talk about a 2025 commit to the georgia bull Bulldogs, Jabri Wallace Coleman. Now, <laughs> Jeff Sintel had a good story about Wallace Coleman at dognation.com. I learned a lot about him uh, in that story because prior to that, I have to admit, I-, I probably did not know very much at all about Jabri Wallace Coleman. I'm kind of reminded of when uh, Tony Parker, who go- went on to great success with the San Antonio Spurs, when he was just kind of a young point guard coming out of France uh, and he was drafted by the Spurs in the first round. The draft was on TNT that year, and Ernie Johnson turned to Charles Barkley and after the Spurs had drafted Parker and said, hey, Charles, what can you tell us about Tony Parker? <laughs> Charles Barkley said, I don't know who he is, but if the Spurs are taking him in the first round, he must be pretty good. And that's sort of the feeling I have here about Jabri Wallace Coleman. I don't really know who he is, but if George is taking a running back for the class of 2025 this early, then he must be pretty good. And if you read the story from Jeff Sintel, you have every indication to believe that he is. You know, I'm kind of reminded of what Kirby Smart said the other day and one of the interviews that he did about kind of what George is looking for from running backs right now. They want to be a factory for NFL backs, and that means you know the kind of athletic guys that not only run between the tackles but also catch the football there as well. That that if if that's the kind of sort of backs that George is trying to cultivate, those are the kinds of names that George is looking to bring to the program, the kind of athletic profile that George is looking to bring into the program. The other thing that is kind of interesting here, and, and in all seriousness, I would love to know more about this. We're in a day and age right now where it seems like the recruiting. Um, process is very back loaded right it's like a lot of the real action for a lot of potential commits a lot of high profile recruits 
seems to take place very late in their process, right before they make decisions. We've seen guys essentially change their mind pretty quickly. Think about Jalen Rashada, who seemed like he was on his way to Florida, then very quickly pivoted, went to Miami, and other examples you can kind of think of of that, where that's kind of gone down as of late. The idea that in this current landscape, Georgia, who only has one 2024 commit right now, is ready to take a 2025, that's, that's just interesting to me. It's not good nor bad. It's just interesting. I'd love to hear more about kind of the process by how all of that played out. And I guess you're also kind of left to wonder about the world in which uh, Jabri Wallace Coleman will inherit when he finally gets here in 2025. The SEC, we know, is going to look way different by then. There'll be two additional members. The Georgia schedule likely looks very different there on all of that. You see the uh, very cool um, very cool edit there. And the nice look at Sanford Stadium, the word committed there, the cool signature. He says he's a 1,000% committed. We've seen recruits as of late saying they're 150% committed. <laughs> I feel like we got to try to like put the toothpaste back in the tube of the percentage in which you're committed. I feel like we got to try to get back to 100% on that as the most committed you can possibly be. Uh, but nonetheless, it's still a, a great thing to be able to see and a very, very interesting world that we'll all be living in come 2025 if this young man does truly make good on this process and eventually show up here as part of the University of Georgia. But interesting news for the dogs yesterday as a part of the class of 2025. So we'll cover that and a lot more now. As we shift gears here, it's a Tuesday. That means Connor Riley, fresh off a little vacation, so you know he'll be raring to go here. It's our Kroger Fresh Take. Happy to have him and all of you with us here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. I want to talk to you, Connor, about a subject I was just addressing. But before that, give me everything you know here about Jabri Wallace Coleman. How much homework have you done already in the class of 2025? Um, he's from Philadelphia. The last time Georgia went up and got a running back from Philadelphia, it worked out really well. Yep. Um, he is currently just finished his freshman year of high school, and I believe that says a lot about how much we should discuss the idea of him one day ending up in a Georgia uniform. I would point out, you know, this is not the first time that a prospect has done this. Uh, Trayon Webb committed to Georgia when he was a freshman, and as it stands right now, he is committed to go play to Florida. So hopefully we don't see a repeat of that this time around with Debris Wallace Coleman. It is funny. I was thinking about the Trayon Webb thing a little bit because, I mean, gosh, it seems like Trayon Webb's been in our life for 100 years. Like he was committed to Oklahoma for a while, or at least like trending towards Oklahoma, it seems like. Now he's back with Florida. At one point in time, he was kind of flirting with Penn State. You know, the idea that Trayon Webb was once a Georgia commit, you're left to wonder, was he 10 years old when he was committed to Georgia? Because that seems like 100 years ago, and he hasn't even started his senior year of high school as of yet. So I have to admit, I was thinking a little bit about Trayon Webb when the news erupted yesterday involving Jabri Wallace Coleman. Yeah, so in in bringing up Webb and the twists and turns again, like he committed before the pandemic began. Yeah. So uh, you know that that shows you how much time has passed and and sort of what to note with some of these kids. I was writing about 2024 quarterbacks yesterday and thinking, gosh, this is a long time until these guys really you know show up on campus and make an impact, and then. Jabri Wallace Coleman just sort of makes us all forget about all that. So I want to bring you into the discussion I was having to start the show today. I thought Pro Football Focus had an interesting look at 30 breakout guys, and the two names that got mentioned from Georgia are Arian Smith and Jamon Dumas-Johnson. Now I want to be kind of clear about my point here. The way in which I would use the word breakout star, if I was selecting names from Georgia, I would probably select different names than Arian or or Pop. I would probably select other names. I think that Jamon Dubas Johnson certainly an important player for Georgia's defense here this year. 
But the sophomore version of Roquan Smith was not what the junior version became. The second-year version of N'Kobe Dean was not what he would be in 2021. So even if JDJ is the next Roquan or N'Kobe, the the sort of true sophomore version of that's probably a solid starter, not necessarily a superstar as of yet. Arian Smith in short burst is one of the most exciting players in the Georgia roster, but I think of a pecking order of names, I would assume, kind of ahead of him there at the wide receiver spot. So Pro Football Focus may be a little more bullish on both these guys than I am right now. But the point I was making before you joined us is, if you told me these these guys were going to have big years, if if Jamon Dumas Johnson does exceed what Nakobe was as a sophomore, what Roquan was as a sophomore, if Arian Smith does sort of skip the line, stay healthy for a full year, and kind of bring that sort of swing for the fences home run mentality into a larger component of the Georgia offense, all of a sudden then, boy, that's a big arrow up for the Georgia team overall, I would say. What do you think about all of that, Connor? You know, the outlook for Arian, the outlook for Pop, and kind of the way they fit into a Georgia team that's trying to kind of come back and be a national championship contender again in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I'll start off by taking a shot at pro football focus. Nobody wants to look at charts when they're talking about football. And so I always take some of their analysis and analysis points with a grain of salt there. And when I think when I hear star, I'm thinking those are all SEC type guys. I don't think either of those guys are going to have all SEC type years. I, I think they're absolutely nail it on the you know Roquan Smith, Nickobe Dean sort of ascension that we've seen guys make. Where year one, those guys are sort of bit players. Obviously, Nickobe played a little bit more than I would say both JDJ and Roquan Smith did. But year two, those guys emerged as solid starters, and then year three, they became the best linebacker in college football. I don't think that JDJ is going to make sort of a similar ascension this season to where he goes from, you know, a guy who's played roughly 100, 125 snaps to all of a sudden one of the very best linebackers in all of football. But I do think he can emerge over the course of the season as a solid starter. And if this Georgia defense improves the way we think it does at the end of the year, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see JDJ getting some late in the year all SEC buzz and entering next season as one of those clear potential first-team All-SEC guys. Not say, unlike a Broderick Jones-type player who, you know, bided his time, got better as the course of the season went on, finally got a chance to make an impact on the field, and now entering his third year in the program, seems like a guy really poised to have a big year. I mean, as far as Arian Smith, there's never been any doubt about his talent. And I, I think the fact that Pro Football Focus has singled him out I think sort of shows that, yeah, when he's been on the field, he's able to make plays. And they, teams have not been able to match up with him speed-wise. The problem with him is that he's been, he has never been able to stay healthy. Now, the fact that he wasn't doing track this offseason, does that help him and get him in better football conditioning shape? Well, ultimately, we'll see on that. But I am interested in seeing, because Georgia is going, if they're going to score the 42 points per game mark that you and I have sort of circled as, hey, they need to do this this year, I do think that Arian Smith is going to need to be a part of that because his field-stretching ability is something that, you know, unless you believe C.J. Smith is going to come in and have a really big year right away, they don't really have that true burner over the top. And, and so if Arian Smith is able to be that for this Georgia offense, it's much easier to see them racking up the explosive plays needed to get to that 42-point threshold. This pains me to admit, but like one of the names on this pro football focus list is Dallas Turner, the uh, pass rusher for Alabama. Like that to me, Connor, fits the mold of what I think of when I think of a breakout star. Turner's already very good. I think this season he's likely to be one of the very best players in the country. I don't like giving you know that much credit to Alabama. But the truth is I think that Dallas Turner, assuming he's healthy, is going to be in for a, a very big season for the Crimson Tide. So 
if that's the kind of guy that sort of is my definition of breakout guy, who is the most likely name for UGA or a couple of most likely names? I have one or two in mind. I'm curious if I really kind of tighten the parameters there, who's the one or two names that pop up for you? I think I'm going to go Broderick Jones first. Uh, I came away really impressed with what he was able to do last season, not just as a pass blocker, but I thought he improved physically in the run game over the course of the year. Another year in the strength and conditioning program at Georgia. He's a no doubt about it left tackle. I think, you know, his ascension and the way he played and practiced this offseason did play a little bit in the part of a Marius and selecting to enter the transfer portal. And so I do think on an off from an offensive side of the ball, it's not necessarily cool to talk about your left tackle that yeah. way. I do think Broderick Jones has that sort of ceiling. On the defensive side of the ball, you know, in terms of like reinventing his game and becoming like exponentially becoming a better player, I don't know if he's going to be this. But I think Chris Smith is a guy who he's made big plays and big games before. And I just wonder with, you know, Lewis Dean now gone, some of the other names gone on the defensive side of the ball. If maybe a few more people pick up on what he is doing and how he is impacting the school's defense, and that sort of enables him to get to the star man because he's already a, a, a very good player, but you know I, I don't believe he has necessarily athletic traits to make like massive exponential jump. But he's a guy who, with some of the faces not back on this Georgia defense, I think can really make a big step forward and become a more nationally known name by the end of the season so broderick jones who you mentioned that would have been my sort of one or two top names there as well i think chris smith is certainly an interesting name there but i want to talk about a different defensive guy like what about nolan smith now I, for nolan to be a breakout guy there's a couple of things that have to be true a he would have to have a great season this year and b you'd have to say that he wasn't necessarily among the ranks of great players a year ago and I don't know where you fall on either side of that. I think that Nolan was clearly a very important player for Georgia last year. But, you know, the guys that were drafted this past season, I think would probably all kind of rate ahead of him in terms of maybe their importance for UGA. So I think because of that, I think he's a candidate to be a breakout player. But do you think that Nolan this year can be great player for UGA, one of the best players in the country? Is that the kind of ceiling that he has where – you know, and this is going to sound blasphemous to some, like where he might be mentioned in the same sentence as Will Anderson or somebody like that. Do you think that kind of possibility even exists for Nolan? Because I have to say, I think it's at least a possibility. Yeah, so I believe that Nolan Smith was great in his role last season in terms of what they asked him to do and how they asked him to play. I think, you know, in my belief, the thing that maybe holds Nolan back from, you know, that Will Anderson type stratosphere, I need to see that Georgia is willing to use him the same way Georgia, that Alabama uses Will Anderson. They asked Nolan Smith, in my opinion, to do a lot more than Will Anderson does, in terms of dropping in coverage, setting the edge, sort of keeping contained, as opposed to just truly letting Nolan Smith pin his ear back and go get the quarterback. And so, if you told me that Nolan Smith is going to be allowed to do that and allowed to play that way in this new look defense co-coordinated by Glenn Schumann and Will Muschamp, I, I could certainly see that being the case. Until I do, though, I'm going to be skeptical of that. Now, we have you know, always sort of seen the inside linebackers be the pre- premier playmakers on this defense. Under Kirby Smart, I wonder with all the newness there and the inexperience, the fact that Georgia, I think, is stronger on the edge to start the season with Smith and Beal. Maybe they tweak that a little bit. But to sort of a half answer your question, I do think there's a world in where Nolan Smith could be, you know, a 10-sack guy and no doubt about it, star. 
I just don't know if the Georgia defense is going to play him in such a manner where he is able to rack up those stats over the course of the season. Let's talk quarterbacks for a minute. You had an interesting piece at uh, dognation.com today, and obviously it's been an interesting cycle for quarterbacks in that Georgia went after Arch Manning, didn't get him, and now it looks like it may not sign a 2023. Alabama also went after Arch Manning, didn't get him either, and their response, that's just to potentially sign two quarterbacks. Uh, uh, they got uh, Dylan Lonergan out of uh, Brookwood High School yesterday. Obviously, Eli Holstein out of Louisiana has been in the fold here for quite some time, and in your story, you kind of highlight that there's an even greater spotlight now on what Georgia does have, the likes of Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandegrift and, and and Carson Beck. What do you make of what's currently going on for Georgia at that position and how well it might be set up for the future? Yeah, so Kirby Smart recently in an interview said he, he liked where this quarterback room is at in terms of depth and, and ability, and I, and I certainly think there's some validity to that. But, uh, you know, as college football has shown us this offseason, change can impact this position change can hit you really quickly and change the outlook. We know Stetson Bennett is going to exhaust his eligibility after this year. And, you know, I, I don't know what the appetite is for, say, a Carson Beck or Brock Vandergriff to sit around another year and ride the bench when they're probably at some point going to have options you know, transfer and play elsewhere. And so you're looking at a world where if you don't sign a 2023 quarterback, you may only have two scholarship guys on your roster in terms of, you know, the guy you presume is going to be the starter between the winner of the back and Vanegas battle and then Gunnar Stockton. Now Georgia can obviously go out and get a transfer quarterback, but, you know, uh, if you're doing that, are you doing that to bring him in as a backup behind, say, Beck or a Vanegas, or are you going out and getting a transfer quarterback to come in and be your starter? So there's just a lot of uncertainty in, in terms of, I think, a year from now forecasting what this room will look like because, you know, I think that 2019 season, you know, where Georgia only had two scholarship quarterbacks and Jake Fromm and Stetson Bennett because Juan Mathis uh, was, was away from the team after having a brain surgery. I, I think that illuminated a lot and probably smart of not wanting to go through a situation similar like that again because they limited a little bit in terms of what Jake Fromm is able to do that year. And because, you know, you even saw in the championship game against LSU. He gets hurt, and you have a totally unproven Stetson Bennett coming in there, and you have no other options. So I, I don't think Kirby Smart would like the idea of having only two scholarship quarterbacks on his roster next season. And so he's going to want to make sure that whether it is a, a guy that they flip for the 2023 recruiting cycle or a, a guy they go out and get transfer portal, they're going to want to have more established depth than I think they're looking at at this point a year from now. Listen, there's a strategy involved in recruiting and any kind of decision and in, in- involve some level of risk georgia clearly put all of its eggs in the arch manning basket and the flip side of that is it was going to have a very hard time making up ground if it you know if it didn't get the manning commitment which ultimately would happen and all of a sudden now you see you know georgia not really involved really with anybody i mean austin novasad was the rumor you know for a while the baylor quarterback commit it seems like there's a very good chance that he flips away from baylor but you don't really see georgia involved in that really at all do you think that Georgia made a mistake in, unlike Alabama, not really having another quarterback in this cycle beyond Arch Manning to turn to? You know, I think it's going to be too early to say it's a mistake, but this is sort of the price you pay when you want to swim in those deep waters and go toe-to-toe for this kind of a player and, and, and you're committed to waiting out and waiting at the end of the line. And he doesn't end up picking you. And this is, you know, I mean, there are countless recruiting examples over the years. Uh, you think back, 
you know, the 2019 class where, where Georgia, or 2020 rather, you know, they go early on MJ Sherman, they get him, but then later on Will Anderson develops and comes along. And Will Anderson, I think we all can agree right now, is a better player than MJ Sherman is. Uh, and that's not to detract from Sherman, you know, obviously overcoming an injury, he's playing in a sack uh, outside linebacker room. But, you know, that's just sort of the reality of if you want to recruit at the big boy level, you're going to have to go to those knock them down, drag them out recruiting battles, and sometimes you're going to lose those. And because you were so publicly, you know, fighting for that guy, it, it just makes it hard to overcome. And in a position like quarterback, it's not like, say, a wide receiver or uh, inside linebacker where you're able to recruit multiple guys in a cycle. You know, I think quarterbacks take notice of, you know, are you really committed to me being the guy? And when Arch Manning is that theoretical guy, I, I get why Georgia went out and recruited the quarterback position the way they did in the cycle, especially with the fact that they have Gunnar Stockton, a guy who I think is going to be around Georgia for the long haul ahead of him. But this is sort of the downside of it. Now you really have to go out and hit a home run, I think, in the 2024 quarterback recruiting cycle to really make up for the fact that you don't have your first, second, maybe even a third type option in this 2023 quarterback cycle. I want to ask you another question about recruiting to close things out here. But first, let me remind folks, this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley here today on the program. Of course, Kroger always uh, a lot of great stuff when it comes to the fun we're having this summer. For a lot of folks, that means being outside and grilling as much as possible. There's nothing in the summertime that tastes better than some fresh food coming right there off the grill. Well, Kroger, you can turn up the heat with all kinds of flavor options there, whether it be the food that you're cooking, the grill that you're using, the patio furniture that you're sitting on. They've got you covered for all of your outdoor entertainment needs. You can find out more about that by stopping by and shopping in store or checking out Kroger.com slash grilling today. That's Kroger.com slash grilling. Uh, Connor, to finish things out here, you and I had a great conversation on Sunday on air as it relates to Raylan Wilson, the terrific linebacker commit that Georgia brings in. And the more I think about that, the more everything that I think we said there that day just is more amplified for me. Another big win for Glenn Schumann. Another example of Georgia staying strong at what's been a great strength. That's that linebacker spot. But maybe more important than anything for me is at a time in which we're all trying to make sense of how weird the recruiting landscape looks. We see programs like Louisville winning recruiting battles they wouldn't have won in the past. We see all kinds of weird things happening, yet a commitment of a guy like Raylan Wilson, at least from a Georgia fan's perspective, does give you reason to believe that things haven't changed that much. NIL may make all things way, way different, but Georgia's still out there winning big-time recruiting battles and doing them in a manner that we've been used to seeing that happen in the past that that the Raylan Wilson news for me is probably a security blanket as much as it is anything. Yeah, I think an important thing to remember about NIL is, you know, we are now officially in the second year of this being a thing and of this factoring in the recruitment. And, you know, uh, I think as NIL sort of develops and becomes a bigger thing and, and, and prospects get a better idea of, okay, what are these actually going to look like? Because I think right now, and you and I have discussed this ad nauseum, you know, they see the dollar signs, but, you know, how, how much of that is actually achievable, attainable? How much of that are they actually getting? I think as NIL sort of unspools itself and we, we see what it is like more, more year in, year out, we're going to get a better understanding of this. And the way I would say that a Georgia recruits, an Alabama recruits, an Ohio State recruits, the way those programs have recruited on a year in, year out basis, I think is going to withstand the test of time and withstand the test of NIL because you've seen some of these programs out. I'll even give Texas A&M as an example right now. Do you know how many commits Texas A&M has at this moment, B.A.? I do not. Five. Oh, my gosh. Very strange. Yeah. Strange. Very, very strange. And you wonder, you know, and this is more speculating, 
Do they blow all their NIL money on the previous class? They have to sort of wait and see what kind of returns they get on that to spin it around. You know, obviously Miami has a lot of recruiting momentum right now. We believe that a lot of that is tied to NIL. Tennessee, I think you could say the same thing with their NIL program under Josh Heupel. It's easy to sell NIL, especially in these situations, certainly Miami, Tennessee, um, Louisville, where you can pitch sort of a newness to it. But if the results on the field don't continue to match up, like a Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State have in recent seasons, I wonder if that NIL pitch still has the same sort of allure that it might elsewhere. Because we know, you know, Georgia has a very strong NIL program. We also know Kirby Smart doesn't love throwing that money out to guys who haven't really proven it yet. And so I, I think the big thing going forward with NIL is, is as we get a better idea and an understanding of this is, is this just really sort of a one, two, three year blip of guys really chasing the money because it's just a newness and it's thrown out there and we don't really know how it's all going to play and pay out, so to speak? Or are we going to see, you know, there are going to be certain programs that rise and fall over the course of the recruiting rankings, but the programs like, say, in Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, they're always still going to be in that, say, top eight range of they're going to recruit players, they're going to win the battles that they want to win and stock their rosters with elite talent on a year in year out basis. Yeah, it should be a very interesting thing to see, Connor. Really insightful thoughts from you. We appreciate you being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take. We'll look forward to reading more from you at dognation.com and then having you back here on the show again very soon there as well. Yep, as always, it's a pleasure to be here. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Certainly interesting thoughts from Connor Riley. We appreciate him as always being with us, and we certainly appreciate you there as well. And we appreciate our friends at Royal Caribbean helping us cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I was having a conversation yesterday about the fact that Wonder of the Seas, the largest cruise ship in the world, is on its way to Port Canaveral at the end of this year. Sailing's obviously starting there for 2023, and I'm excited about seeing it. In fact, I'm going to try to see if I can sneak down and get a chance to see that very, very early because there are a lot of experiences on board Wonder of the Seas that are a little bit different than the Royal Caribbean cruise ships have been on in the past. There are new restaurant concepts and new entertainment options, uh, a little bit of a, a redesign that makes the ship different, even than the other Oasis-class ships, which is probably the most similar to. Uh, this is one of those ships that just has a little bit different kind of bell and whistle to it, and I want to see it. And so I was trying to find out yesterday if I could get a chance to get down there and maybe see it a little bit here so I can tell you all about how cool it's going to be because that's how excited I am to have that on uh, our agenda for the upcoming year. And listen, you ought to be doing the same thing, looking at all the options available to you for a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, because it's kind of like that one-stop shop for me in terms of all that you need to do. You know, when it comes to like your entertainment, your food, your beverage, you know, you know, visiting places, you know, all those different types of things lead to a million different decisions on kind of a different kind of vacation. When it comes to a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, that's basically all kind of laid out there for you. All those options right there at your fingertips, and you can just kind of be busy enjoying it all as opposed to spending time kind of planning it all. And our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority can help you out with that there as well because, listen, they know the ins and outs of Royal Caribbean, and they can kind of hear your situation and talk to you about the option that suits you best. So check them out online at tcava.com. That's tcava.com. Or give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. They can talk to you about a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation opportunity here this summer, heading towards the fall or early 2023. Whenever you want to be doing it, Royal Caribbean's ready for you, and it is a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to my own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. All right, so we got a lot to get to here 
uh, SEC through cruiser in the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Matt Hayes had an interesting piece at Saturday on South. Our buddy Michael Carvel wrote about this SummitDogNation.com yesterday. So Hayes, in speaking kind of anonymously with some key SEC decision makers, the story includes quotes here. They say they are content to sit at 16 right now. That And we talked about this, I believe, yesterday. The predicted like race to expand further on the part of the SEC and the part of the Big Ten, for now, that seems very much on hold. Now, the big key decision maker in all this is obviously Notre Dame. That's the next big fish here, big national following. Revenue opportunities go along with that. Notre Dame is the next entity here to make a big decision. I believe Notre Dame's TV contract uh, with NBC. I think it concludes in 2025. Don't please don't quote me on that. But it's it's not a million years from now. It's sometime in the, like the next couple of years. And obviously Notre Dame, if it can, continue to make big money as an independent and not be blocked out of the college football playoff discussion, then then remaining an independent maybe something that Notre Dame would like to do. It's clearly been an independent for a long time and maintain a lot of pride in that. And if Notre Dame's not moving, then there may not be a whole lot of motivation for either the SEC or the Big Ten to do much moving either. Obviously, keep in mind here, and I know people kind of gloss over you start talking about TV contracts, things like that. But one of the other big issues is that the ACC, which you call your grant of rights agreement, it's it's, it's basically your media rights deal. It's a long range contract, many, many years left on that. And it is a very onerous thing, at least based on the way the contract is written. So we've been told for the current ACC teams to get out of that. So, you know, as a response to USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, it's not obvious the SEC could go raid the the ACC, nor is it all that obvious that the Notre Dame or the SEC would have much interest in each other. I mean, clearly the money makes sense, but Notre Dame culturally is a little bit of a weird fit for the SEC, so it's not obvious what kind of marriage that would end up being anyway. So maybe one of the things motivating the SEC not to seek more expansion has been reported by Matt Hayes here is the idea there just really isn't a good option available. The ACC teams are bound by contract. The Notre Dame situation may be just a little bit too weird anyway. If Notre Dame joins a conference, it's likely to be the Big Ten for, for maybe a million different reasons. Now, the other thing that comes out here is is the idea that some of the SEC folks are saying, and clearly this is probably just lip service, it probably doesn't mean anything, but they are still nonetheless saying it. It sounds like for now, they are paying lip service to the idea that they don't want to raid the rest of college football, and they don't want to put the rest of college football out of business. Because here's the thing, that if the Big Ten wanted to further expand, if it wanted to bring in Oregon, if it wanted to bring in Washington, clearly it could. And if you're looking at those Pac-12 teams that might have some value to the Big Ten or any league, you know, the Seattle-based University of Washington, Oregon, because of its connection to Nike, the fact that it's been, you know, in the kind of the championship picture in the past, those are teams that might have some value. Maybe Stanford would there as well. But those two teams at least would have uh, some value. But apparently the Big Ten doesn't want to do it. We were been told that Phil Knight, the big founder of Nike, the big uh, money guy there, reached out to leagues and kind of got rebuffed there so as of now the the big 10 doesn't want to put these other leagues out of business because you know this if you've ever played poker you play monopoly with somebody that when somebody else has more money than you they can kind of bully you around that's true you're you know moving your little thimble around the monopoly board it's true if you're playing texas hold'em it's true in a lot of areas that the person with the bigger stack just has a better chance of winning well right now because of the media deals that the sec already has the big 10's about to have 
they're just going to have more money than everybody else. They wanted to leverage that money to kind of drive a larger chasm between themselves and the other leagues and essentially poach the remaining teams that have any value whatsoever they could do that and essentially render about half of the Pac-12, Big 12, and ACC is a little more than like group of five teams. If they wanted to do that, they could. Right now, the SEC, according to Matt Hayes, says we don't want to do that. And we'll see how long that remains to be true. I sort of hope it is done. I mean, listen, I'm an SEC homer in a lot of ways, but I don't necessarily want the Big 12 to go away. I don't necessarily want the Pac-12 to go away. I kind of like the idea of college football being a national sport. I kind of like the idea of college athletics mattering, at least in some form or fashion, across the entire country. So, you know, if if the, the poaching of USC and the poaching of UCLA and the earlier poaching by the SEC of, you know, Oklahoma and Texas, if this is the end of it, then maybe in some form or fashion, the something that closely resembles what college football has been, maybe it still can survive. So that's the reporting as of now. Clearly, a lot of these, you know, sort of, phrases could be easily forgotten if if a new opportunity presents itself but maybe for now this is going to kind of quiet down and be done at least for the moment let me run through a couple of recruiting notes here uh dylan lonergan we talked about this with connor a moment ago lonergan good-looking quarterback from brookwood high school commits to alabama yesterday that gives alabama two of the top 10 quarterbacks the class of 2023 there's a little bit of extenuating circumstances here in the fact that lonergan is a big-time baseball player uh, you see him there even showing off a little bit of baseball on both sides of the football commitment edit here. So this is a guy who clearly has baseball right now as a big part of his future. That's going to be a turnoff for some programs. A lot of programs only want their quarterback thinking about football. Alabama has the luxury of letting him think about both because he's not even the only quarterback in this signing class, the other being Eli Holstein. So this gives Alabama luxury to you know kind of let him explore himself here for a little bit as he starts his college career. It's fair to point out Alabama has had success with multiple quarterback classes in the past. Think about 2017. Obviously, Tua Tungo-Vailoa got the most attention at the time. But eventually, it's Mac Jones, the other signee in that 17 class, who actually maybe goes on to be the more decorated of the two guys. So, you know, we've seen Alabama have success with multiple quarterbacks before. I guess the snarky version of me kind of wonders out loud. You know, a lot of Alabama fans have told you, oh, Eli Holstein, that's the other quarterback commit, young man, and also out of Louisiana. We thought he was better than Arch Manning. That's why Alabama took him before Arch Manning made his decision. If you really thought that was so true would you be taking a second quarterback in this class I, I don't know that you would so in some respects maybe this kind of caused you to rethink Eli Holstein maybe a little bit but nonetheless Alabama adding another quarterback for the class of 2023 uh Louisville has been very hot on the recruiting trail as of late more hot than used to seeing them be yesterday adding a four-star offensive lineman from the state of Georgia Madden Sanker who's going up to Louisville right now so on this, you kind of think a couple of things here. On the one hand, it's a Louisville team, already got a Reuben Owens and you know had some big recruiting wins. You know, you clearly see NIL seemingly being a factor there at Louisville because these are the kinds of recruiting victories they were never claiming prior to the NIL age. And I think some of the reason why we talked the other day about Kentucky, Mark Stoops kind of erupting here and saying that Kentucky's got to change its NIL ways. I think part of that's driven by the fact they just see Louisville right now far more aggressive the in-state rival than the wildcats have chosen to be but the other thing here is another example of kind of a high profile offensive lineman that we might would have talked about 
with at least some connection to Georgia going somewhere else. I don't know that anybody expected Sanger yesterday to go to a UGA, but it's the kind of in-state offensive line prospect that kind of leads you to kind of circle back to a topic we addressed on Friday's show, which is what is the current state of Georgia's offensive line recruiting? We saw you know, a big four-star from Denmark go to Tennessee. Here's Sanker going to um, – Going to Louisville, it puts a bigger spotlight on some of those other decisions that are still yet to be made, whether it be holding on to Bo Hughley, which I think is very, very important. I would expect Georgia to probably be able to do, but eventually winning with a guy like Monroe Freeling under the state of South Carolina that seems to be down to maybe Georgia and Miami. There are clearly some big offensive line battles to be waged that are going to be determined how Georgia fans feel about the offensive line component of the 2023 recruiting class. One more note to give you, and this involves the 2024, uh, Jojo Stone or Joseph Stone, uh, given name, really impressive 2024 athlete from Grayson High School, probably one of the best 2024s that I saw a year ago in terms of just his overall athletic profile, actually started at quarterback for a while for Grayson he made a pledge to uh, LSU yesterday so another example of a Grayson guy going somewhere else other than UGA which is you know probably fine I guess but I do think he's a pretty impressive athlete I'm not exactly sure what he'll do at the college level from a position standpoint but he is a really good athlete I don't think anybody would dispute that so a pretty big pickup for LSU who's also been pretty hot in recruiting as of late for the 2024 class uh, that being Jojo Stone on his way to the Tigers. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, let me also talk to some of you here for a moment who are obviously on the forefront of having to make a decision, either you as a young student or you're uh, maybe a parent of a young student. you got college coming up and trying to find a way to get all that college tuition covered and paid for. All of a sudden, it's got crunch time to sort of figure out how exactly that's going to be going down. How are you going to get that full cost of tuition paid for? Well, if you need last-minute help on that, that's where my friends at College Ave can step in and do some great things to you because they got some private student loan options available that can help you cover the full cost of college. If that's a concern for you, that's where College Ave can step in and take some of the stress away for you on all this. It's a private student loan that can fit your budget, uh, help you you know, just get this paid for, right? Because when it comes to starting that college career and knowing there's excess expense related to that, that the the opportunity to breathe a little easier know that's taken care of that's what college ave can provide for you uh they got competitive interest rate uh, a flexible repayment plan great customer service it only takes about three minutes to kind of sign up via the application so that's a cool thing there as well if you go to the website collegeav.com that's a-v-e collegeav.com you can find out more about that collegeav.com time to get those last minute college tuition bills paid for the full cost covered a private student loan from our friends at college ave a great way to do that so check them out online at collegeav.com a couple of golden shoes to say uh, goodbye to you here today let's show you the first one on the screen here for a moment how about this from the great fran tarkin you talk about an enviable life Tarkenton yesterday, of course, great former Georgia quarterback and record setter in the NFL, Pro Football Hall of Famer, says, how about this, uh, Tarkenton says, today I got a hole-in-one on the number five green at Pebble Beach. That makes a total of five holes-in-one, and credit to him for the correct grammar on that, so far in my lifetime between Augusta National and Pebble Beach. Can you believe that? To even play those courses that many times, but also get five aces while playing them? He says, I shot 75 for the day which is seven years better than an 82-year-old man is supposed to play. I'm on a roll. Truly indeed, the great Francis Tarkenton is on a roll there, and very cool to see him sharing that on social media. Another golden shoe goes the way of someone, Mike McPherson, who says, I just got four tickets to the Dog Nation duck hunt tailgate. Can't wait to get this season started off right. 
Mike, we're glad you're going to be there and excited to see all of you as a part of that. While tickets are still available, and I know we're waitlist on that now, but you go to dognation.com, get your waitlist opportunity, and maybe you can join us there for that too, the way that Mike is there too. We will give him a golden shoe for shouting us out there on that. We'll also remind you, lousy stinking Gators have about 4,933 days since Florida has won a national championship. And our Gator Hatred Countdown, 109 days from now, dogs back in Jacksonville beating Florida again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Cooldown. Always great to take your comments here, whether on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comment section at DogNation.com. UGA Dad 20 ways in to say that B.A. touched on something I've been thinking about lately. This is on yesterday's show. How recruiting may have changed for UGA. Recruiting seemingly in a weird new phase where NIL seems to be the number one reason for some, maybe many, players choosing their schools. And Kirby Smart saying that players... Uh, whose number one reason for choosing his school is NIL may not be the best fit for UGA. The last two seasons, Georgia has been slowly developing classes that caused some of us a little trepidation. But Kirby Smart proved again he's an elite recruiter. But this year, again, this year, things are slow. It seems, you know, it will maybe uh, be diminished in this new age. Uh, he says, I look down the top 20 on rivals. Ten are committed elsewhere. The other ten are forecast to place other than UGA. When was the last time that UGA didn't have a top 20 commit? Uh, he says, Jaden Wayne committed to Miami. I have faith in Kirby Smart, but the new NIL dynamic is a little worrisome. He says, by the way, uh, you know, Rousseau and Smith, the two uh, good looking players out of Alabama, uh, were at Florida last weekend. 70, uh, 75% uh, will choose to say the same school. He says, um, he says, Georgia seems to be finishing second in recruiting more this year than usual. Is that NIL impacting the Georgia recruiting philosophy? This is a prediction for some time during the season. Georgia's going to make a change at quarterback and open up the offense. It kind of gets into the season stuff. But let me let me say, let's say on the recruiting part of this here for a moment. So it is obvious that Georgia's not getting every player that it wants. But the thing I do take some comfort in, speaking as a fan here for a moment, is if we go back and look at other Georgia recruiting classes, you know, number three in 2017, number one in 2018, where they number two in 2019 number or were they yeah a lot of these years kind of run together but they've obviously had a collection of number one recruiting classes top three every single year but even in the midst of that if we made a list of the ones that got away it'd actually be a pretty long and distinguished list that even in a time in which george was just stacking elite recruits one right after the other there were still a good number of guys that end up going elsewhere and there's really nothing you could do about that and every year seems to bring its own reasons of, well, you know, in 2020, you couldn't have visits and therefore programs like Alabama kind of leaned on its prestige. Georgia didn't have that to sell at the time. And that seemed to hurt Georgia, that Georgia kind of focused more in-state uh, and got good players that way, but kind of missed out on some other guys that were just like, hey, if I can't take visits, let me just go take the, the best offer I have and sort of trust that's going to work out right for me. And now there seems to be a new reason why Georgia might miss on some guys, but I don't know that the ultimate end result is going to actually look all that different than maybe it has in the past. That I still think that while we do see some players who do make their college decisions strictly on the basis of NIL and almost NIL alone, there are still a lot of other guys who don't do that. And by the way, this is not unique to, to certain aspects of sport. Think about the NBA for a moment. Like, in the NBA, for those of you who follow that at all, you know, you've got a situation where players are making obviously a lot more money, but when it comes to choosing where you play, it almost seems like money is sometimes not the most important consideration. It's who you're playing with, 
you know, the kind of system that you're going to be a part of, the city that you want to live in. In other words, when players know they're going to be well paid no matter where they go, other considerations actually do kind of bubble to the front that almost end up being the final factor even more so than the money. Now, in college football, we're talking about a much smaller financial agreement, the NIL deal, compared to the sort of max contract NBA players are getting. But if you're an elite-level player, I promise you, Georgia's going to be more than happy to make sure you get some NIL consideration, the kind of NIL consideration that you feel like you're probably worth. And ultimately, I don't know there's a great deal of difference in what elite player makes playing for Georgia compared to what they make playing for some other school either. There are programs like Texas A&M and, and Miami that seem to make that the kind of the forefront of their sales pitch, maybe a little bit more so. But across the board, I think this stuff is maybe a little bit more balanced than sometimes it's given credit for being. Now, if Georgia doesn't play the game as aggressively on the front end, is that going to be a turnoff for some players? It might very well be. Uh, if a player is pushing that too hard on the front end, is that going to be a turnoff for Georgia? I think there's a case that might be true, too. Uh, I think that there's maybe even a chance that Georgia has kind of softened its recruiting approach on a couple of players in this cycle alone on the basis of that, quite possibly anyway. Um, so the point is, is that when it's all said and done, the Georgia class this season, I expect it to still be somewhere near the top three the way that it always is. I expect more big recruiting wins like the ones that Georgia got from Raylan Wilson on Sunday. Um, and I expect there to be a bunch of guys that we wish Georgia could have gotten that it didn't quite get that the whole world is different now, but the actual end result for Georgia to me is probably not going to be too different from what you're used to it being. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that NIL has changed things and it's made things more difficult for Georgia. I'm not going to deny that, but all the better reason then to have the kind of deep resources that Georgia has beyond just the NIL payment to make this an attractive landing spot for many top recruits. And I still am, am quite confident when it's all said and done that Georgia is still looking at a you know, very nice recruiting class when it's all said and done. Final comment belongs to WCH, who says Raylan Wilson's going to be a big star. He's a devastating hitter, so fast that he runs back kicks. I think we're going to get uh, to be the LBU very soon, go dogs. Yeah, linebacker university, that kind of unofficial designation, given what Georgia has had, the success it's already enjoyed. We talked about Jamon Dumas Johnson in today's show, how he might fit into that discussion there too. And obviously future recruits, you hope Troy Bowles soon joins up to be the next one of these, that Georgia's legacy at linebacker is a fast-growing story, and Raylan Wilson indeed is a very big part of that. Thank all of you for being a part of this, our R.S. Andrews Cooldown. Great comments here. Of course, check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. You can trust R.S. Andrews on all of that. Today, if your water heater goes out, in many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace it for you the same day. So find them online at rsandrews.com for that. And we'll see you tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia.